So Advent, it's a new series we're starting, and if you came from a traditional church, you may be more familiar with the Advent season. I did not come from a traditional church, so I'm a little bit in the education process, and I kind of feel like this, this year, this series is going to kind of be a first step for us as a body. Uh, Deborah spoke Wednesday night, and she noted the Advent season and made available some Bible reading plans for the Advent season. Those are available as you leave. Uh, at the, the little table in the back. And so that might be a way for you to prepare. The word Advent means this, the coming. Advent means the coming. And so when we talk about the Advent, we're talking and remembering the coming of Jesus as a baby, the incarnation. But we also simultaneously proclaim that he's coming again. And so the truth is this, in the church calendar, the traditional church calendar that just evolved, not out of the Bible, but just out of tradition, uh, Advent is the preparation for the Christmas season. The Christmas season actually starts on Christmas Eve, and it goes to January 6th. And uh, during, during that time, we're supposed to, the Advent season, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we're supposed to prepare our hearts with specific subjects. And so... We're going to do that. We're going to use these sermons the next few weeks to push back a little bit. To push back against the self-imposed pressures that we put on ourselves. Because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have this perfect, idealistic Christmas. We, we want to have the perfect meal and get just the right gift and have just the right experience and we falsely believe that if things don't happen the way we imagine, then our Christmas has failed. Well, Advent teaches us that Christmas Day is just the beginning. Because Christmas isn't commercialism. Christmas isn't getting. Christmas isn't all of the, all the chaos that we're so accustomed to. Christmas is about relationships. Relationship with people that we love and we spend more time with. And more importantly, relationship with our God. That's what the Christmas story is. God wanted a relationship with you so much that he reduced himself to an embryo. He reduced himself to a single human cell. And he went through all of the maturation process that you and I have been through. And he did it because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And that's what Advent is. It's Preparing your heart for that season. Now, confession here, Christmas ends for me about, oh, let's say 11 a.m. on December 25th. Because when all the gifts are given and I see all the wrapping paper on the ground, I go into project mode. I start cleaning up because I believe it's a horrible thing to have any kind of Christmas decoration or any type of tree up in the month of January. That's just horrendous to me. So as soon as December 25th is about halfway done, I'm already thinking I'm moving on in my head. And, and that's just the way we're accustomed to think. Advent pushes back against that and causes us to look at something higher. And we're taking baby steps in exploring that subject. And each Sunday, each Sunday leading up to our Christmas Eve Service. There's this, a particular theme, particular theme that that we focus on through Christ and Advent. Today's theme is the theme of hope, and hope is something that the Christmas story is all about. 
And hope's a very, very tricky subject because hope can be really painful. When we're younger, hope is is how we daydream. It's this actualization. It, it actually helps us accomplish things in life. But as we age, hope can get very weary. And hope can be a burden. And it is a burden if it's not directed through Christ. So today, I, I want... I want you to take the things that you're hoping for and the things you're scared to hope for, and and I want you to give them to Christ. I want you to give them to him and realize that the Christmas story is about new hope, a new hope for you. And God has a new hope for you. So the first thing I want us to observe is this, is is that hope was something expected. Hope was expected. That's how the Christmas story starts. And I want us to go to Luke chapter 2 and look at the story of a man named Simeon. A man named Simeon. And verse 26 will tell us about him of Luke 2. So, uh, verse 25, thank you. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. We're going to stay on the slide for a second. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. There's several things I want you to notice here. First of all, this word devout is a very unusual word in the New Testament. And it really sets Simeon apart. It really adds weight to his description. It lets us know, Luke who was writing this, lets us know that Simeon wasn't just an ordinary priest or an ordinary temple worker. He was righteous and devout. There was a heaviness about his commitment. There was something about his walk that things were unique. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is that? That is what the Jewish people, most of them are still waiting for today, for the Messiah to appear. We know that the Messiah has come through Jesus Christ, but the Jewish people have not yet realized that. I believe, according to Romans chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11, that the Jewish people will see that Jesus is the Messiah and that as the end of time unfolds, or the end of this, of this time era unfolds, that many, many Jewish people will come to know the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons our church, uh, we stand in solidarity with uh, Jewish people in prayer and support and financial support. We believe that they have a huge, huge part of what God is going to do in the last times. Simeon, who was a Jew, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And notice this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, that's a unique phrase before Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon all the people. But in this time, in this dispensation, that the Holy Spirit would only come upon certain people at certain times. And, And there's just a connection here. And I want to point out this connection that you see here in the scripture. It says this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, epe, on him. He was connected with the Holy Spirit. I just want to say this, is that we're righteous before God because of what Jesus did. But if we want to walk in the Holy Spirit's power and have the Holy Spirit upon us, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens when we live a devout life. It happens through holiness. It happens through walking in the Spirit. Well, having the Holy Spirit upon you is not a theological position. It's not a a denominational affiliation. It's a reality every day when we choose God over sin. 
And that's what Simeon did. He was righteous and he was devout. I know of no other place in the New Testament where someone is called devout with that name. And what was the result of that? The Holy Spirit was on him, was upon him. He was able to see things that other people didn't see. He was able to feel things other people couldn't feel. He was in step with the Spirit. And he was waiting. And I want you to know that this is important for you to understand. Because as I said in my introduction, waiting can be painful. Waiting can be hard. And waiting can feel like inactivity, but the truth is, waiting is not an inactive position. Waiting is an active position. So going on now to verse 26, it says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the word Christ there is a Greek word for Messiah. So he would not see death before he had seen the Messiah. Why is it that he knew things other people didn't know? It's because he walked with the Holy Spirit. I mean, some of us, we're like, I wish God would speak to me more. And maybe we're not doing the hard work of devotion to hear from the Lord. Okay? You know, it's, it, it's not, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'd love to have this experience with the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to pay the price to have that experience. Some of us need to, to see that. We think that being cool and relevant is, is, completely, and is completely compatible with the power of God. I don't really know if it is. Because we have to be humble. To have the power of God. So here it is. A devout man. He was able to hear. He was able to see. He was able, he was able to recognize what other people couldn't recognize. Now my understanding of the scripture. I'm just going to tell you what I imagine what was going on there. And from studying the Old Testament. And, and, and studying some of historical documents. Is that this was a very active atmosphere. That's what it appears to me. And this young couple. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple. And when they brought Jesus into the temple, it wouldn't be unlike them coming to a service similar to this. With dozens of people on the property. Lots of activity going on. Lots of temple activity. Why was it, why was it that right there that Simeon was able to see things other people couldn't see? Why could he see that? Here's a second point I want us to observe today. Hope was expected, but hope was revealed. Hope was expected, but hope was revealed. Why was hope revealed? Here's one of the reasons I believe hope was revealed. It's because Simeon, even though he was waiting, was at the place he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be. He just kept showing up during the waiting. What do we do when we're waiting? We shrink back. What do we do when we're waiting? We hide. What do we do when we're waiting? We, We... We uh, ignore the relationships that matter the most. And we get disappointed sometimes with God. And we kind of disappear. What Simeon kept doing is he kept showing up. He kept going to the same place over and over and over again. He kept being where he needed to be. And he was expecting hope. But hope was revealed because he just kept showing up. We go on with the narrative in verse 27. It says, And he came in the spirit in the temple... And when the parents brought him in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles 
and the glory to your people, Israel. Here he was right in the middle of all this activity. And he had an encounter with God. With his own eyes, he saw the miracle. With his own eyes, he saw the hope that was being revealed. And what, why was he able to do that? Is because his eyes were open to possibilities that other people couldn't see. Here's how this applies to you this Christmas season. I want the spiritual eyes that you have to open up to hope. Open up to see not what you're lacking, but what you already have. Open up to see not what you wish you had, but what God has already given you. Open up to see the possibilities, not the letdowns. And sometimes the answer, our hope revealed, is right there in front of us and we can't even see it. Hope revealed is right in our house and we don't even know it. Hope revealed is right before us and we can't even grasp it. Why? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what we can't see on our own. We need the Holy Spirit, a close relationship with the Holy Spirit, to allow us to see what our natural eyes can't see always. Now, there's there's an old story that I'm going to guess 60% of you know. And for the other 40% of you who don't know the story, here's the cool thing. By the end of the story, you'll either remember it and you'll tell it in the next two weeks. All right, so here we go. Y'all ready for this? The story goes like this. There was a man that was in a bar. No, I'm just joking. Not that part. All right. There was a man who was in his house and a flood came. And he prayed, God, would you deliver me from the flood? Now, how many know where the story's going already? All right. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll keep going then. All right. So he said, God, will you deliver me from the flood? And the car came by and said, would you like a ride out of the neighborhood? He said, no. I don't do that because I'm waiting on God to rescue me. Water started rising. Boat came by. Boat asked him, sir, you want to jump in the boat? Jump in the boat. We can get you out of the floodwaters. He said, nope, I'm waiting on God to rescue me. Then he went on top of the roof and he's on top of the roof and the floodwaters are up to where the top of the roof is and it's going to overtake the whole house. And a helicopter comes by. The helicopter says, you want to Take the rope and climb in and said, no, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. So the man, the man dies an unfortunate death. He gets to heaven and he asks God, God, why didn't you rescue me? And God said, I sent a car, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter. What else could I do? How many heard that story now? Don't remember that story now? Okay, I told that story in the first service and three people told me I messed up the punchline. And I did it again. So, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. All right. The point is this, like I said, you'll be able to tell that story better than I just told it. And uh, as you're remembering it and recrafting the story and as you give me tips after service on how to tell it better, um, you'll, you'll have a chance sometime in the next two or three weeks to help somebody with this. Because the point is this, is hope is being revealed and people don't see the hope before us. And listen, some of you, you may not, you may not have sold everything you wanted to in your business and your income may not be as high as it was last year. But have you ever thought that maybe your car has lasted a little longer than it should and you haven't had unusual repairs? Maybe God's extended your tires or he's extended your car and he has revealed himself that way. There was one year, one year I have little bitty kids, not anymore, they're getting bigger, but time they were like four, six and eight. And there was a, a year where we were making some financial decisions, making up some ground. And 
uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this is time for you to send me all kinds of speaking invitations because I'm an awesome speaker and who wouldn't want to pay me to speak? Uh, no speaking invitations came. And I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, where's this extra income, you know, that I'm expecting? And then I realized I had, I had a four, six, and eight-year-old that went weeks without going to the doctor's. Now, there's been weeks when those $25 copays have added up really, really fast. And you've been there for it. I hear an amen. I hear a witness on that. So the truth is, is that Hope Revealed, I could pout and I could whine about God not coming through the way I expected God to come through. But God came through another way. Hope was revealed. Simeon was right in the middle. He was right in the middle of a normal religious transaction. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they didn't come in with a parade. They didn't come in with fanfare. They didn't come in with all these expectations before them. Uh, They came in humbly. And the only way we probably know this story is Luke, who wrote this story, probably heard it from Mary herself. He wasn't a witness in those early years. Luke, the doctor, says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. So more than likely, Mary personally told Luke this story. It was, it was a story that most of the people in Jerusalem didn't see that day. Most of the people in the temple didn't see. But right there, that little transaction between Simeon and that young teenage couple... The glory of God came down and hope was revealed. I believe this, that God wants to open spiritual eyes. Things that you've been hoping for. Things that you're expecting God to do. Ways you're expecting God to come through. It might not look like what you imagined, but your hope is not in your imagination. Your hope is in the character and the faithfulness and the reliability of God. And if you walk in his Holy Spirit's power, if if you're like Simeon and you're devout and you're righteous and the Spirit is upon you, he's going to open your eyes to see things you normally wouldn't see because hope is revealed. So hope was expected, and hope was revealed. But here's the last thing I want to share with you today, is hope again. Hope again. That's the story of Advent. The story of Advent means coming. And yes, it talks about the incarnation, when God became a man, fully man and fully God. Fully man, fully God didn't sin, and God became a man again. But that's not the full story, because we know, yes, because Jesus came once. Jesus is going to come again. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, we can read this together. It says that when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him, being Jesus, out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the hope we have. We don't hope in our ability to make more money. We don't hope in our ability to uh, control our children and make them exactly the way we imagine them to be. We don't hope in our government. We don't hope in our education. We don't hope in anything other than the one hope that's reliable and the hope that Jesus Christ is coming again. And why can we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again? Because he came once before. That's the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is not this static, distant, old story that can just be another historical paragraph in all the great legends of literature. 
No, it's more than that. The story of Christmas is alive. The story of Christmas has hope. And our same God, our same God who came once, promised he's going to come again. He's not going to come as a concept. He's not going to come as a metaphor. He's not going to come in secret. He's going to visibly and physically come back just the same way he left us. And every eye will see and every eye will behold his glory. A trump will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We're going to be with him forever. And when his feet touch the ground of this earth and when he asserts his rule and when he asserts his reign, this sorry, worn out, sin filled planet that has injustice and and continues to become more and more evil. We'll see what it's like when a righteous and holy king asserts his authority and says no more, no more to the wickedness, no more to the injustice, no more to the heartbreak, no more to the abuse, no more to the disease, no more to the sickness, no more to the oppression of the poor because Jesus has come again. The advent has happened. We have prepared for his coming and he's coming back again. That's the Christmas story. And so what's incredible, I know it's a busy month. We've got all types of, of traditions that are fun, that are, are delightful. But the great thing is this. When you're in Kohl's, when you're at Green Hills Mall, when you're, when you're shopping in Kroger, and you begin to hear Christmas carols, when people think they're just cultural songs, that over the airwaves and all of our shopping areas, that the name of Jesus is being declared. And we can know this, if Jesus came once, he's coming again. If he came once, he's coming again. We prepare ourselves through the Advent with the Christmas season, and we're people of hope. We're people of hope, even in the darkest seasons, even in the hardest Thanksgivings and the hardest Christmases that you've had, even when things are less than ideal. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. There's a greater hope that's coming. And the Christmas story points you back to the one who's coming again for you. And he's coming as surely. And I say, Lord, come quickly. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Just stand together. We honor you, Lord. I want to minister to you for a couple of minutes before we depart. I want you to just keep your heart ready and keep your heart soft. Oh, I just... The message we give today is not a message of disregard. You know, the pain is real. The isolation is real. The loneliness is real. The hurtful words, they're real. But I just want to tell you something. The hope is real too. And the hope is greater. And hold on to hope. Hold on to hope as a person. Hope is a personality. Hope is a man. Hope is a God. Hope is a revelation. Don't hope in someone else. If you're looking for someone else to satisfy your needs, they'll always let you down. If you're looking for a new job or a new position or more money or a new house, you thought if we just had a bigger house or if we had a nicer car or if we had more friends, we'd be happier. You know, you might get those things. 
And God isn't opposed to you having those things, but those things are not your hope. Your hope is in the name of the Lord. Your hope is in the one who's reliable. Your hope is in the one who came to this earth. And he came to this earth and he appeared and revealed himself to those that the spirit was upon so they could see. Can I just tell you that the very fact that you're here right now, the very fact that you're listening to the service, the Holy Spirit is upon you right now. The Holy Spirit is upon you. Would you close your eyes right now? I want you just to focus in on him. The Spirit is upon you. You're here. You're hearing this message for a reason. You're hearing these words for a reason. God has your ears open for a reason. And the Lord is saying, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. Don't suffocate other people with your expectations. Don't sabotage your own emotions with your expectations. Put your hope in the Lord. Hope for the Lord. He's the one that's going to provide. The Lord has something better than the gift that you can't get for someone you love. There's something better than that gift. The Lord, it might, it might be that this is not the year. The Lord says, I have something better. I've got something better than the, that single gift you want to give someone. I have something better. Father, I just pray for a release of hope. God, where people have been too hurt to hope again. Where people, God, who are too reluctant to hope again. Lord, I pray that, Lord, they would see that that hope is directed to you, the maker of heaven and earth, the God who holds the cosmos in his hands, that the universe is in the palm of your hands, and yet you care about us, God. We put our hope in you. We put our hope in you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We